God can add new chapters to what seems like a finished story. This is who we serve. This is who God is. And listen, you will face all kinds of situations in your journey of following Jesus that will seem like there is no hope. That, that, times that will feel dark. Times that will feel like there is like a certain ending right here. And it may end. And it, it may be true that you've perceived correctly that this isn't gonna go the way you want it to go. But listen, following Jesus, we follow the God of the comma. And, and what that means is that it's supposed to produce faith in us, belief in us, that what we see in the natural is not all that there is and that we serve a God who loves to get the last word. God can take what seems like a period, what seems like a finished story, what seems like, I don't know if I can keep going on any longer. And with his goodness and his grace and his infinite power and wisdom, he has the ability to replace the period with a comma. Uh, hey, we start a brand new teaching series right now uh, called God of the Comma. And I'm uh, really excited about this series. It really originated out of a place in me earlier this year where I was um, thinking about, praying on, uh, meditating on, like the power of a story the power of a testimony when God shows up and he shifts and changes the outcomes of people's lives. And I just, I just uh, was, was, was uh, kind of taken back by that, uh, really realizing what he's done in my life and what he's done in so many other people's lives. And God shows up and he, he shifts things, he changes things. And, and so uh, for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the God of the comma, the God who shows up and uh, changes everything. Um, you might be familiar with the expression... That we, uh, that we often use when we are uh, at the end of our rope or uh, when we are out of strength. Oftentimes we'll say um, we've hit a wall, right? You familiar, you ever said something like that, that you've hit a wall? It's a term that runners use when uh, they can't continue running any longer or they feel like their bodies are about to give out. Like, like so I've heard at least, right? That's what runners say. Uh, so uh, when their bodies are about to give out, like they'll, they'll say, man, I've hit a wall. Or It's this idea that like I can't continue any longer. Like there's no more... Uh, room for me to continue in that direction. And I was just wondering this week, you know, have you ever felt yourself hit a wall? You ever felt yourself hit a wall in, in life? Have you ever, you ever noticed that? You ever, you ever experienced that? Like times where you just were like, man, I can't continue to go any longer in this same direction. Times where you just uh, couldn't feel or, or, or find any hope uh, whatsoever. I'm really kind of talking about faith uh, to a degree. You know, faith is really this idea of believing in something you cannot see. And, and faith, uh, faith is like, like one of the, like the primary uh, realities to following Jesus. And yet I think that a lot of us have had our own struggles with faith. Wouldn't you agree? And what I've learned about faith over the years is, is this idea that faith will always struggle to grow when we become convinced that what we see with our eyes is all that there is. When we become convinced that what we see in the natural or what we see in the physical is all that there is to be said on the matter, faith will, will always struggle to grow in that environment. But you see, like, like faith, like real faith, the kind of faith that pleases God, I believe, is, is a faith that chooses to see what God sees. Uh, a, a faith that is determined to see what God sees, that, that no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm walking through, like, like, like in, my, in my life, honestly, you want to know one of, the, one of the ways I pray? It's a very simple prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm facing something. I don't really know what to do, and I, and I just ask the Lord. I'm like, hey, hey, is there something else that you see here that I don't see? I, it's, it's just one of those. It's a simple prayer. 
Part of my, my communicating with God, is there something here that you see that I don't see? Because I want to I wanna have his perspective. I want to have his vantage point. Because that's what, that's what faith is, the kind of faith that pleases God. It's choosing to look past what I see in the natural, to see the, 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 the things that God sees, to believe that he has like a, a different outcome in mind. He has something else up his sleeve, you know. The reality, though, is that life is full of a bunch of abrupt and disorienting dead ends or, or periods or endings to stories. You know, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you know what it's like. Maybe you have felt at times in your life like it's over, you're finished, there's no, no going, going on any longer. Maybe you've felt like, like man, I'm, I'm hurt, I'm struggling, you know, story over. Uh, maybe, maybe you've been sick, maybe you got cancer at one point financially, you know, going through things. Maybe there's been times where you've just been like, man, we just, we can't seem to have kids. Not sure what, you know, what's going to happen here. You know, I I want you to know that over the next four weeks, we're going to be getting to know a God who loves to replace periods with commas and add uh, chapters to what seems like an already finished story. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be getting to know the God of the comma. Are you ready? Are you excited? I'm, I'm pumped because like, like, listen, I don't know what you're facing or what you're walking through. I don't know what life has been like for you. I, I, but I, but I'm, I'm convinced that there are people in this room right now who just need some hope, who just need like s- some hope, need, need to see some light shine on, on whatever situation you're facing. And, and I want to just remind you that like God gets the last word, that God gets to still speak into the stories that look finished and, uh, and alter the outcomes. Amen. So I was uh, preparing for this and I came across the story of a man by the name of uh, Mr. P. Anybody familiar with a man by the name of Mr. P.? Uh, you can see his picture here on the screen. Mr. P is a 103-year-old man who seems to be escaping death over and over and over again. Um, two years ago, Mr. P came down with COVID, and uh, he lives in Rimini, Italy. He came down with COVID, and uh, uh, he was 101 at the time. Uh, people were surprised because of his advanced age and his severe symptoms. People were, were amazed uh, that he ultimately recovered from COVID and, and that he uh, was released from the hospital. They, they, they couldn't believe this, right? They're just uh, amazed. He has, uh, he's on record as one of the oldest people to recover from COVID, which people believe to be far more deadly for elderly people. And so it's pretty incredible that this old man uh, at that age, at that advanced season of life, was able to recover. Interestingly enough, this is not the only global pandemic that Mr. P has survived. He was born in 1919 in the middle of the Spanish flu pandemic, and when he was a baby, when he was a young child, he contract, contracted the Spanish flu and, uh, and ultimately recovered from it. I mean, if you remember, the Spanish flu uh, was estimated by the CDC to infect over 500 million people at the time, which was about a third of the world's population. So if you think about Mr. P's life, I mean, it's bookended by global pandemics and getting you know, these, these viruses. It's, it's pretty remarkable. I should probably also tell you uh, that he is a Holocaust survivor. So, uh, I mean, you're talking about some, some, something, a pretty impressive story of a man who just won't quit. Um, the mayor of Rimini, Italy, a woman by the name of Gloria Rizzi, this is what she said, uh, commenting on uh, Mr. P surviving COVID in 2020. She said this, she said, Mr. P made it. The family brought him home yesterday evening. And then she goes on to say, it teaches us that even at 101 years, the future is not written. His truly extraordinary recovery gave hope for the future. Man, I, lo- I love this quote. I love this thought here. I love what, what she says, that even at 101 years, 
the future is not written. That even though it looks inevitable, or it looked bad, and we all just thought, hey, you know, it's probably going to end for Mr. P. Like, it's just this idea, this proof that, that the future is not written. And I was reading about his story this week and sort of digging into the details. Uh, just amazing. Just amazing to read through. And uh, I've already mentioned, you know, but there, there's just been, been multiple stories, multiple times in his life where he's just faced like a big event or a big circumstance, times that just would have been, you know, it seemed like a dead end, like there's no going on anymore, like, like, a, like a period, exclamation point. You know, the, the story's over. Times where it felt like it would have been an ending to the story of Mr. P's life and just amazing to read through it. And as I was thinking about his life, I started to think about our lives. I started to think about the times that, that we go through that just, that just seem like there's no hope or just seems like there's no, uh, no other way or no other outcome. The times in our lives that feel like they're just going to end with that period and it's all over from there. How many of y'all know that life is full of periods and exclamation points? If you're taking notes today. How many of y'all know that? Like life is full of these. Like, like, like you go through some pretty crazy things, you know, like, like a relationship ends, period, right? Or there's a financial crisis, period, or you have a health issue, period, or you, you, you get diagnosed with, with, with some, some disease like cancer, period, or whatever it is, you're, I'm, I'm broke, period. You know, you ever felt that? Or unemployed, period, or we can't have kids, or dreams aren't going to happen, period. And this is how so many people live their life. We understand that life is full of periods and exclamation points. Have you ever walked through these times in your life and felt as if life was over, or at least going to be dramatically different from what it had been? Like there wasn't a whole lot of hope for whatever it is that you were walking through. Man, I really feel like I came here today to tell you that we serve the God of the comma. We serve the God of the comma. We serve a God who loves to take periods and exclamation points and replace them with commas. We love a God who, who loves to, to just change outcomes and change stories. In, in, other words, in other words, when the story looks finished and everyone around you, including yourself, is convinced that it's over, we serve a God who loves to get the last word, right? That's who he is. He loves to, to like, get the last word. I, I remember being a kid, and uh, my brother and I, you know, we, we, we grew up kind of, kind of being, being pretty talented with our tongues, and, uh, you know, being able to just, uh, to just kind of have quick responses and say things. And uh, I like to think it was, it was talent, you know. Uh, uh, and, and, and I like to think it, it's part of the reason why we even do what we do uh, today. But uh, my brother and I were, were quick with our, with our tongues and could say things. And uh, it got to the point where when we'd have these disagreements or these arguments, our parents would tell us, uh, like, not one more word. Like, and, but we always had to get the last word in, right? And as I've grown up, I started to realize that, man, I was just trying to be more like God, you know? I was just trying to be more like God. Like, you know, if I'm getting the last word in, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to be like him. That's what he is all about. God loves to get the last word. He wants the final say. He wants to be able to look at the story of your life and go, hey, you know what? I, I don't think it's actually over. Like, I'm going to do this. In fact, you know, we're going to look at some stories over the next four weeks of, of, of times that looked like it was over, like it was finished, and God showed up and did something amazing. Do you know that just about every story in the Bible is that way? Like, almost every story that we read in the Bible is that way. Like, it looks like it's going one way, and God has something else to say on the matter. I, I, want, I want you to be inspired, and I want your faith to grow today and over these next several weeks to believe that what you see in the natural is not all that there is, that there is more to have faith for, there's more to believe for. I want you to live a life that you, you, you place it in God's hands and you trust him that, that, that his outcome is better than your outcome. 
that, that uh, with him leading and guiding your life, that's, that's the better way uh, for it to go. Psalm chapter 39, uh, 19 through 20, it says this. It says, a righteous man may have many troubles, comma. A righteous man may have many troubles, comma, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. I love uh, the Passion Translation for this verse. It says this, uh, even when bad things happen to, good and, to the good and godly ones, comma, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. God will be your bodyguard to protect you when trouble is near. I love this because it says, it, I love what it's saying, even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones. Like it's gonna happen. Like, like things, things do happen to us that, that uh, we don't wanna go through. We didn't plan on going through. But what this, what this verse really reveals to us is like that's not the end. Like there's more to the story. Like God has good thoughts and good plans for your life and he will bring them uh, to pass. No matter what has happened in your life, it's not over. No matter what's happened in your life, it's not over. You may think like it's a, it, that it's a period. You may think that it's an exclamation point. You may have even put the period there yourself. You may have been like, yeah, I, there's just nothing else is gonna go on from here, but I got to encourage you with this thought today, if you're taking notes, don't ever put a period where God wants to put a comma, okay? Don't ever put a period where God wants to put a comma. Like, you let him write the story of your life. You, you, you ask, like, that simple prayer, like I, I mentioned earlier, God, is there something you see here that I don't see? Is there something else you want, you want to write into this story? I want, I want your outcome not mine. Don't ever put a period where God wants to put a comma. God, I believe, wants to come into the situations of our lives if we'll invite him in and turn all things around, point us in the right direction, and give us a fresh start. Aren't you glad this morning that you serve the God of the comma? Aren't you glad that you serve the God of second chances? Yeah? Listen, if you're taking notes, if, if, if you're not dead, God's not done. That's what you got to understand. I mean, I, I, have, I have said this in, in, in a roundabout way to so many people who uh, I've I visited, you know, at the end of their life, I, 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 and I've just said, hey, you know, like, as long as there's, there's breath in your lungs, God's not done with you, right? And, and you know, get, getting close to the end, I, I've, I've, I've been able to use this encouragement to people to just let them know, hey, like, like God, God ordains, like, every day of your life, like, like don't, don't get discouraged here, like, like, like ask him, God, like, what do, you, what do you still have for me even in these last moments. I've talked like this with, with those who have entered into retirement, and they're trying to figure out how, how they're going to use their life to make, make a difference. And I'm just like, hey, hey, as long as you've got breath in your lungs, like God has purpose and plan, and he wants to use you intentionally to advance his kingdom. If you're not dead, God's not done. And in our series, God of the Comma, it's all about remembering this truth, that if you're not dead, God's not done. And over the next four weeks, you're going to be looking at stories from the Bible where it seemed like it was an impossible situation. Like there was no way to get through it and then all of a sudden God, God steps in and he rewrites the story. How many of you are facing something right now that you'd love God to step in and rewrite the story for you? This is like who he is. It's like the track record of God throughout all of human history. He steps in and he places a comma where maybe there was once a period and he adds chapters to what seemed like an already finished story. I want to take a look at... Uh, a very famous story in the Bible this morning. I want to take a look at the story of a man by the name of Jonah. And uh, so if you have your Bibles and you want to flip over to Jonah chapter 1, you can do that. Otherwise, you can just uh, uh, read the, the scriptures that we'll have on the screen for you today. 
Um, Jonah is known for making a bad choice, right? He's really known for that. He's known for, for making a pretty bad choice. Uh, any of you uh, able to relate to that? You ever just been known for some bad choices you've made uh, throughout your life? I want you to uh, get refamiliarized with the, uh, the story of Jonah. So Jonah chapter 1, 1 through 5. Uh, let me read these uh, verses to you. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Let me pause for a second. I, I remember um, about three and a half years ago, I, I, I was in Israel with my brother, and we were down in Joppa. Uh, it was just, just south of, of Tel Aviv. And so we went down into Joppa, and we were going around in, into this area down by the ports where uh, area is where you could just imagine Jonah being. And, and it was just a profound moment for me as I'm, as I'm realizing, you know, there's ships and, and going in and going out. I'm like, man, this is like the spot in Jonah's life where, like, he ran from God. And I started to think of, like, times in my own life, you know, times where, like, I have been distant and far from God, times where I've taken matters into my own hands, times where I've just been like, yeah, I don't know uh, about this whole God thing. And it just was such a, such a powerful moment for me uh, to just kind of be face-to-face with, like, the backdrop and the Mediterranean Sea and realize, man, this is where Jonah decided, like, he was going to do things on his own. And, uh, and that's, that's what happens here in this story. He flees from the Lord. Uh, in verse 4, it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. You ever met somebody like that that can just sleep through anything? Like, is that, is there anything more annoying? It's like, it's like, hey, like, hey, do you not understand what's going on here? Could you just like wake up and pay attention? That's what I guess Jonah was blessed with that ability. And so you read this story, and uh, this story is basically God telling Jonah to go to the great city, uh, the great pagan city of Nineveh, and to preach against uh, what is going on there. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire at the time, located in modern-day northern Iraq, if you, if you have an idea of where that is on, uh, on the, the map. Um, and at the time, Nineveh would have been the largest city in the world. Uh, sort of a big deal. It would have been like, it would have taken three days, like to go to Nineveh would have been like a three-day trip, like when you're there, just to even get through it. Uh, And so it was was a massive city. Um, Assyria was an incredibly wicked and barbaric empire, stretched across the entire Middle East. Uh, And the Assyrians, they were the dominant uh, empire, the dominant uh, force of the day. They were the arch enemy of Israel. Uh, And so Jonah is a prophet of Israel. God is sending him to these people, right? So to preach against them, he's, pre- he's sending Jonah to like his arch enemy and he's saying, hey, why don't you go, out, go to like, like the largest city in the world to the most wicked people on the planet and I want you just to tell them that what they're doing is wrong. Okay? I want you to think about the most evil, most sinful, most anti-God place in the world that you can imagine right now and imagine God calling you to go preach against what they're doing. Okay, that's, that's Jonah. That's what, that's what he has been tasked with. And so as you read the story like we did, Jonah uh, decides, yeah, I don't think so, right? I think I'm going to do something else. 
And maybe we can even relate or understand like, like a little bit, like even though we know it's wrong and we, we can read the story and kind of be like, man, what are you thinking? Like, like a lot of us probably can relate to that. Like we can maybe relate to like God asking or putting a demand on our life that seems a bit extreme and being like, I'm not sure I'm really wanting to, to, to do that. And so Jonah flees, he runs from God, he heads to Tarshish which uh, was the last city on the map in the ancient world. So it was located on the edge of like modern day Spain. So, so if you think of where, where Nineveh was in northern Iraq, and if you have an idea where Spain is, they're not close, right? So, so Jonah was supposed to go northeast, and instead he goes southwest. Like he is going in the complete opposite direction of where he is supposed to head. The Lord, um, yeah, the Lord sends a storm. He uh, intervenes in uh, Jonah's decision here. How many of y'all know that it's never a good idea to run from the Lord? Y'all know that? How many of y'all have, have, have like personal experience with running from God? Anybody? Yeah? No? We're just one of those churches with a bunch of perfect people? Okay. Um, y'all know, right? Y'all know. Like, it's never a good idea to run from the Lord, but it's, it's a really bad idea to run from the Lord in the exact opposite direction that he is wanting you to go. A lot of times when we run from God, we just we like run just a little, we just kind of like a couple clicks to the left, and, and, and we're still kind of close, but we're not really following him like we should. Jonah's like, yeah, I don't think so, and he's going the exact opposite direction, and so the Lord sends a storm, and everyone on the ship is afraid of dying. As you can imagine, the ship's being blown and tossed by the wind and the waves, uh, it looks like they are going to sink. That the uh, the passage in scripture says that it felt like the, the, the like the like the boat was going to break apart, and uh, they are afraid. And uh, Jonah is fast asleep uh, underneath in the boat. An important lesson from Jonah's life, right here. If you're taking notes, the decisions you make in life will affect more people than just you. The decisions you make in life will affect more people than just you. I mean, the whole reason why they're in this mess, all these sailors, all these people aboard this ship, is because Jonah decided to run from God. The whole reason why this storm has come upon them, the whole reason why this boat is about to break apart, the whole reason why they're throwing cargo into the sea is because Jonah has decided to run from God. Listen, our decisions don't just impact us. They impact others as well, and, and you're, you're probably very familiar with that. You understand how other people's decisions uh, have affected you at times in your life. I don't think there's anything worse than when somebody's poor decision nev- negatively affects me. It's like, man, I was just sitting here, like minding my own business. Like, like you know, there's, there's not a whole lot that, that, that gets under our skin more than when somebody makes a poor decision that negatively uh, affects us, especially when they don't even realize it. You know, they have no awareness to the fact that what they have done has impacted uh, has impacted you. And that's what's going on with Jonah. He's hanging out below deck. He's fast asleep, right? He's minding his own business. He wakes up, he realizes what's going on, and he has this awareness all of a sudden that, like, this is his fault. I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit that, like, just, just all of a sudden immediately convict him, convicted him and he becomes aware uh, that this isn't just any old storm. This is a storm that he's brought upon himself. You ever brought a storm upon yourself? That's what's going on with Jonah right here. And he tells them, the sailors, the, the people there on the ship, he tells them that the only way they're going to get through this storm is for him to get off the boat. Like, you want to live, you gotta, you, I got to get off the boat. And, uh, and so in, in Jonah 1.15, it says, Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. 
I mean, I, I read this like multiple times and I don't see any sailor like questioning Jonah. I don't see anyone being like, like no, like we'll, let, wait, just wait a minute. Like, well, that, that, can't be, that can't be possible. Like they don't even really think about it. They're like, all right, we'll try anything. Let's throw Jonah overboard. You know, like, man, you got to find better friends in your life than that, okay? Like, it makes no sense. Like, I'm, I'm going like, man, really? Like, they, they just uh, are, are willing to, 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 to throw him overboard. They're going to try anything in the moment. So Jonah, here he is. He's in, he's in the, the middle of the raging sea. And I don't know, can you imagine a more certain ending to a story? Death seems pretty inevitable right here. Wouldn't you agree? Jonah has ran from God. He's refused to do what God has asked him to do. Not only is, is death certain here, but death seems deserved in, 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 a, in a way, right? It's like, well, you made your bed, now you gotta lie in it, Jonah. Like, look what you did, you know? Like, that's how most of us, like, think about life. That's how most of us think about other people and their bad decisions and bad choices. And most of us, we look at, we look at their story and we know that we serve a God of a, comma, of a comma, but if you've added a period to your life, most of us are like, hey, you, you made your own bed, you know? And that's, that's how, that, I mean, that's really what's going on here and, and how we could read this story and just understand if it just ended right there. I think we could be like, all right, you know, like, man, you probably shouldn't have done that. Like, you should have just obeyed God in the first place. And Jonah, man, he has to be thinking through some things as he's in the ocean, as he's in, in the, the sea, and he is, he is being like, blown and tossed. He's sinking to the bottom. There has to be some thoughts on his mind, right? I, I, I bet he, he probably believes that he deserves this. I bet he probably believes that he, you know, he created this mess. He deserves to be in this mess. I'm not sure that there's a more hopeless place to be than in the middle of the open sea with like nobody around and no, no life raft or boat within sight. Is there, could, there, could you imagine a more hopeless place to be? Like, think about how vast the open sea is. Like, could you imagine? Like, there's, there's literally no hope. There's no hope. What are you going to do? Swim? Like, you can't, right? It's not possible. The story's over. Period. Exclamation point. I wonder if you can relate to Jonah at all. I know that I can. Can you relate to the fact that a poor decision and a bad, a bad decision ultimately impacted others and then a ripple effect took place where you're now reaping the effects of that bad decision. You relate to that at all? Jonah, here he is. He's all alone and he's swimming in the midst of a raging sea. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to catch this thought that God can add new chapters to what seems like a finished story. This is who we serve. This is who God is. And listen, you will face all kinds of situations in your journey of following Jesus that will seem like there is no hope. That, that, times that will feel dark. Times that will feel like there is like a certain ending right here. And it may end. And it, it may be true that you've perceived correctly that this isn't going to go the way you want it to go. But listen, following Jesus, we follow the God of the comma. And, and what that means is that it's supposed to produce faith in us, belief in us, that what we see in the natural is not all that there is and that we serve a God who loves to get the last word. God can take what seems like a period, what seems like a finished story, what seems like, I don't know if I can keep going on any longer. And with his goodness and his grace and his infinite power and wisdom, he has the ability to replace the period with a comma. 
God is great at writing stories. Amen? He's great at writing stories. Jonah 1, 17, so two verses later. It says, but the Lord, hold on, let's start that again. It says, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Uh, that word, but, that's, that's a pretty big deal here. It's a pretty big deal here because up until now, like it's period, exclamation point, end of story. Like Jonah's in the open sea. There's like, he, he's gotten what he deserves. Man, right? There, there's, there's nothing else to be said. He's certainly gonna die. Verse 17 shows us who God is. It says, but the Lord. But the Lord had something else in mind. But the Lord had something else up his sleeve. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. Like, but here is another word for comma, isn't it? Like, like that, that's really like the, what that word means. It's like, you, you, you know, you give some detail and you say, but, you know, and you give, give like the alternative. Like, it's pretty much the same thing as a comma. It's like a hold on for a minute. There's more. It's, uh, it's kind of like if, if you've gotten into any of like the Marvel movies, anybody gotten into those? Like, you know, I'm not, not going to try to like pull the gospel out of Marvel this morning or anything, but <laughs> like you're not going to do one of those sermons. But if you've ever watched, you know, like, like the Marvel movies, you know that like they have become known for like the, uh, the end credit scenes, right? Like they, they, they've, they've added like a little teaser at the end after the credits so that you stick around. So when the credits roll, like, you'll stay in your seat and you'll wait until the very end of the credits to watch just, like, a little teaser of what's to come next. I mean, that's really what's, what's happening here. Like, the, the, how many of y'all know, like, the credits on Jonah's life are rolling when he's there in the open sea, and then all of a sudden there's, like, this, eh, we got a little bit more. Story's not over. Story's not over. If you're taking notes, when God shows up, it can move us from the left side to the right side of a comma when God shows up when God shows up. And this is what happens to Jonah. God turns a period into a comma. Um, listen to me. God always knows where we're at. God always knows where we are at. We are never out of his sight. And some of you here today, you're like, you might feel forgotten. Uh, you may feel ignored. You may feel like your prayers don't, uh, don't matter, like they're not going to be answered anytime soon, if ever. I want you to know something. You are never out of his sight. God sees you. God knows you. He has good thoughts and good plans for you. It's in the belly of the fish that Jonah finds God. Right? Is that, is that amazing in this story? Like, I'm hoping to take, like, a Sunday school story, you know, that, like, seems ridiculous, like, like you know, a little bit, you know, like, and, and help you pull some, like, eternal truths out of this. Like, Jonah found God in the belly of a fish. Like, where can you go to escape God? Right? Psalm 139 talks about this, right? I could settle on the far side of the sea and you are with me. Like, where can I go from you? You can't escape God. Jonah finds God in the middle of the ocean, in the belly of a fish. It's in the belly of the fish that Jonah not only finds God, but gets right with God. That's where he gets right with God. And it is in the belly of the fish where Jonah begins to recognize the comma on his story, that God is replacing a period with a comma. Like, look at this. In, in Jonah chapter 2, 4 through 6, Jonah speaking, he said, 
Uh, it says, I, I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But, there's that word, but you brought my life up from the pit. O oh Lord, my God. How many y'all know that when God shows up, everything changes? How many y'all know that when God shows up, everything changes? Everything has to bow a knee to King Jesus. Everything bows a knee in the presence of God. Jonah is saying, look, like I was in a bad place. Like the water's engulfed me there was absolutely no hope the deep surrounded me he says like seaweed is wrapped around my head he goes i i went down to the roots of the mountains like i was so deep there was like no hope down there and he says but 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 you oh god like you 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 brought my life up from the pit and it is in this place it's it's in the belly of a fish that jonah finds god gets right with god and begins to recognize that god is adding a comma to his story John Maxwell says this, he says, uh, grace runs downhill. It met me when I was at the bottom, not the top. Grace runs downhill. It met me when I was at the bottom, not the top. And this is the story of Jonah's life, right? Grace doesn't meet him when he is just, is just doing everything the way he is supposed to do it, when he is, is, is perfect in every way, when he's following God to a T. You know, like, like that's not the story here in Jonah's life. Like, and it's not the story of really any of our lives. None of us found God when, like, everything was perfect and everything was right. And, you know, there was no, no you know, uh, no blemish on our story at all. Like, all of us found God when we were uh, at the bottom, not the top. Grace runs downhill. Aren't you grateful for that? Grace runs downhill. What's interesting to me about Jonah's story and what is interesting to me about who God is is that after running away from God, God still desires to use Jonah. Don't you think that's amazing? Like, that's, it's, it's, it's pretty mind-blowing. Like, that, that, that even though Jonah has ran from God, he's made a complete mess of everything, like, God still desires to use Jonah. God's not done with him. Like, I, I understand, you know, God rescuing him. Like, I think that's who God is. I think that's, that's the character and the heart of God. Like, I understand God stepping in and doing that. Like, rescue, rescue him with this fish. That's great. But, like, then let's end the story. I understand God not letting him die. Like, I think that, you know, that seems like a better ending to the story than just letting him die in the middle of the open sea, right? Like, I think we all love good endings to stories. So it makes sense, like, and for God stepping in and rescuing him. But to still want to use him? That's pretty wild. Look at this. Jonah chapter 3, 1 and 2. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a, a second time. Okay, so Jonah 1. One, right, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and what did he do with that word? Yeah, he, he fled from that word. It says in, in chapter three, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it, and proclaim it, uh, proclaim to it the message I give you. Man, I love this about God. I love this about God. I, I know, you know, the vantage point that I have and the Pastor Josh has here, you know, we, we've gone one-on-one -on -one with a bunch of you. We know a lot of your stories. Man, man like, we, we, know, we know, like, our own stories. We know, like, how good God is at stepping into people's lives. And, 
and, and still using them even though there were times in their past where, where uh, they, 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 made some, they made, made a mess of it or made some mistakes, right? They're, like this room is filled with people like this. God still wants to use Jonah and God still wants to use you. Listen, if you're taking notes, no matter how far we've ran or what we've done, God always gives us a second chance. No matter what. He always gives us a second chance. And even when most people would have been done with Jonah, God wasn't done with Jonah. God wasn't done with him, and he's not done with you either. This is like, this is like this, the beauty of the gospel. This is like who God is. He doesn't give up on you. He continues to pursue you with like the love of a father. And you take one step towards him and he's like sprinting in your direction. Like this is who, who God is. And even when most people would have been done with Jonah, like I would have been, you know, I, I think about, uh, I mean, there's so many stories like this we could, we could just like lay out in the Bible of people who just got it wrong. I mean, we could have like a, an entire, you know, 12-week series talking about the Apostle Peter and like how, how much of a bad example he was in terms of following Jesus. Like, like, you know, all the things he did wrong and yet God uses him in an incredible way as, as the rock that he would build his church upon. And, you know, he, he does, I mean, he, he, he like gets free from all of his guilt and all of his shame and he steps into the, the authority and the calling that God has on his life, he finally shows up as the man that God created and destined, to, destined him to be, and he literally flips the world upside down, like unashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Like there's so many stories like that in, in the Bible, and there's so many stories like that in, in human history, like since the Bible was written of God continuing to do things like this with people. There's stories like that here in this room. So there's a couple things I learned from, from Jonah's life. That I want, I want you to learn, and uh, that is this, is that a bad choice doesn't define you. A bad choice does not define you. Um, listen to me, failure is a moment, it's not a person, okay? There's a lot of, there's a lot, we live in a culture right now that wants to define people by some bad choices, like a bad choice doesn't define you. We live in a culture right now that wants to cancel people for some bad choices, like listen, that's not the gospel, that's not who God is. God doesn't cancel people, okay? Failure is a moment, it's not a person, so don't let yourself be defined by, by some bad choices. Define yourself the way that God defines you. How does he define you? Well, one, he, he sees you as his son and as his daughter. And if, if, if you don't define yourself that way, if you, if you struggle to define yourself as, as, as a child of God, man, you will struggle to really, to really uh, live out this Christian life the way it's meant to be lived. Like if you, if you see yourself anything other than that, like if you, if, you, if you can't get to the point of seeing yourself as a son or a daughter, you will always struggle. Listen to me, there's nothing my kids could do that would, that would cause me to like not let them come back to me. Like that's the heart of a father to, to his kids and that's the heart of our heavenly father to us. It doesn't matter what you've done. A bad choice doesn't define you. Like we're still his kids. Something my uncle Rick used to always uh, talk about is he'd say, Remember what God remembers and let go of what God lets go of. So, right? Like, if he's deleted it, like, like let go of it yourself. Let go of what God um, lets go of and remember what God remembers. The second thing about Jonah's life is this. Um, a bad choice, um, not only does it not define you, it doesn't disqualify you either. Right? Man, like, couldn't you imagine God being like, well, I think we need to go to, like, like the backup prophet. Like, let's go find who's sitting on the bench, and let's pull him in. Like, you know, like, clearly Jonah, like, we need, we need somebody else to come 
uh, you know, come take over for Jonah. Jonah did it again, everybody. Like, come on, let's, that's not what happens. Like, like, this bad choice in Jonah's life, it doesn't disqualify him from, like, the plan that God has to use him in an incredible way. Some of you may know the story of a man by the name of John Newton. And uh, if you know the story of John Newton, you know that John Newton was a, a slave trader in the 1700s, and many, many years ago, he was traveling on a boat filled with slaves across uh, the ocean uh, to the Caribbean islands where he was planning to sell these slaves. Uh, and as they were crossing the Atlantic Ocean, they hit a storm that was so bad, uh, unbelievably bad, that Newton was certain that they were all going to die. Like, it just was, it, it was inevitable. As he's facing death, the story goes that Newton began to reflect on his life and how he had gotten so far off track, how he had uh, really, uh, really lived a life like so far from God. So here he is, he's in the middle of the ocean, he's staring death in the face. He knows there's no, there's no like uh, out, he's not getting out of this situation and he just reflects on his life, the life that he has been living, a life of, of slave trading, a life that is so far from like how he was raised. And it's in that moment that he uh, gives his life to Jesus. It's in that moment that he decides like, like I'm gonna get my life right with God. Like I can't believe I've lived this life that I've lived, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give my life to Jesus. And it was in that moment that John Newton uh, began to write these famous words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. It's a beautiful song that we still sing today. So the story goes that the ship doesn't sink, obviously, because we are singing the song that was written on that ship, but the ship doesn't sink. John Newton comes home to England, and he enters into the ministry, like, right away. And he becomes one of the leading advocates for the abolition of slavery in England, like, completely flips his life around. Look like, I mean, I mean, like, his life was over. There was, like, no hope. Like, God steps into the story of John Newton's life, and he, and he, and he shifts things. He changes things, like, 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 like miraculously. We either believe in a God who can do miracles, or we don't. And if we, if we don't believe in a God of miracles, then we don't believe in the God of the comma. He can step in and change the outcomes of our lives. If you're taking notes, I just got a couple more things for you today. Uh, here's this thought. The grace of God can propel you into the plan of God. The grace of God can propel you into the plan of God. And so Newton receives grace, right? He receives amazing grace, right? And that grace propels him forward to use the remaining years of his life to make a difference for Jesus. So the grace of God that came to his life on that ship in the 1700s, it then propels him into the plan that God has for his life. And the same is true for you. The grace of God can propel you into the plan of God. The same was true for Jonah, the grace of God to rescue him when he's made a mess of everything and he can't get out of it on his own. Jonah had no power, no ability to get out of the mess. It was only God who could rescue him. He couldn't rescue himself. It was the grace of God that stepped in and rescued his life and the grace of God is what propelled him into the plan of God for his life. Jonah chapter three, three through five, it says this. It says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. 
The Ninevites believed God. <laughs> they declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. So the, so the Ninevites, they went into like a time of mourning, like repenting for their sin, for their ways, for their evil. And, and they, they begin to like acknowledge God. Like this is what, I mean, this is what happens. Man, Jonah seems pretty disqualified to be able to have an ending like this. And yet that's not who God is. That's not who God is. God loves to write stories. He loves to get the last word. He loves to take impossible situations and just show off a little bit. I mean, he's incredibly humble, but like he does something and it's like, wow, I can't believe you just did that. Let me invite you up. I mentioned that, you know, I just have this privilege as a pastor of walking with people uh, here in our church of, uh, through, through stories, through, through circumstances, through challenges in their lives. And um, four years ago, I got the opportunity to um, really get to know uh, just a great couple here in our church. Uh, ben and Melissa Zizis, uh, maybe some of you uh, are familiar with them. Um, and uh, they've been here for a long time, and we went through uh, pre-marriage counseling together and um, got to know them really well, was able to, to do the ceremony for their, their wedding. But through that time of getting to know them, I, I began to learn, like, uh, really that there was a, a real um, strong desire for them to have kids and have kids right away. And, and uh, so we were excited about that. We were praying for that. And um, uh, these guys were, I th- they were already in their 30s, and they are like, man, we can't wait to have kids. We're going to all that, and, and so I was, um, man, just so proud of them, proud of, of, of like their journey up until their, their wedding day, and just, it was a privilege to be upon that journey, uh, you know, with them in that journey, and um, man, the last four years of their life have been, like, it's been really hard, and we've, we've met tons of times in the last four years, and uh, these guys have struggled over and over and over again to have kids, and, uh, and uh, man, I've, I've been with you at the bottom, I think you'd say. I've been with you at a time where uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot of hope. Um, I remember, I remember uh, telling you guys to, um, if you don't have faith, like, hang on to my faith, or if you don't have hope, hang on to my hope. Like, let, like, like I want to still have hope, and I remember just, just how tough it was. Like, like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, like, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Like, like you would be, like, mind-blown by, by, by the, if you knew the details of their story and the heartbreak and the times of getting their hopes up and then seeing their hopes crushed. And, like, it, it's, it's just, it's just wild. And, and the struggle with faith, struggle to see that God is good, the struggle to see, like, well, how can a good and loving father, like, do all this? And, and uh, I mean, I haven't told you this, but one of the, the most challenging, I think, pastoring situations for me because, you know, I'm trying to bring hope to a situation that I just can't, I can't believe, okay, we're still doing this. Like, we're still, there's another chapter. There's another chapter. I just so desperately, like, wanting God to, to do uh, the miracle, so desperately wanting God to show up in, in, in their life. There were times where I was, like, maybe worried about, about uh, reaching the point of no return where these guys are just like, I'm not, I'm not sure. And um, and I, lo- I love Ben and Melissa. They're awesome people. And um, 
earlier this year, like, I don't know, three, four months ago, they reached out. It had been a while since we'd met, and they, they asked if they could come in and, and meet up with me. And we, we do that from time to time, just like, let's check, let's check, touch base, let's just kind of get up to speed. Okay, what are the doctors saying? What's going on? You know, all this and that. And, and uh, let's pray together. And they came in, and they just almost like blurted out quickly that they were, that they were pregnant. And, and I was like, hold on, what? You know, like, are you kidding me? And, and, and you know, because we've, we've been down this road with, and, and there's been like getting your hopes up and then getting discouraged and, and miscarriages and things like that. And I, and I was like, wait, 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 are we, can, we, can we like celebrate? Like, you know, where are we at in the process? And they were like over 20, we, uh, 20 weeks in. And like, she's very pregnant and she's here right now, guys. I mean, like she's very pregnant and, and they're due just like at the end of next month. And I just am so excited. Like, this is what God does. Like, he's the God of the comma, everybody, right? He's the God of the comma. Like, he does this. He does this. He's added chapters. He's added stories to something that looked finished and looked over. And, and I don't know what you're facing and what you're walking through today, but I, I, just, I just felt like I was supposed to help you, know, help you today and come and bring some hope to the room to maybe, maybe help put some wind back in your sails to like trust God that he's as big as he says he is, that he really can move mountains, that he really can do the impossible, that he can speak to things that seem like, like death and looks like death, and he can bring life back into those things. And so, man, that's just, that's just what I choose to believe. That's just what I've chosen to believe for the last several years of my life. It's just that God can do the impossible. He can do things that, that we just can't understand. And I, I want to I serve that kind of God. I want to I follow that kind of God with great faith. I want to see him do more and more and more and more. And so I, I've maybe mentioned this to you before, but when I've but I had the chance to pull our leadership together and, and talk about the future of our church, like, like one of the things I've said uh, more than once is, is I've said, you know, I, I want to I see, um, I want our own stories here at New Point. Like I, I want to I see God write some of our own stories. Like I want to, you know, I... If, you know, pastors do this all the time, but like, there's a lot of stories of Mr. P. There's a lot of stories of, of, of John Newton. Like, like, you know, we're always looking for stories, right? Things that can help, uh, you know, the gospel, you know, relatable to you. And, and I, I got to the point where I was just like, I'm tired of just telling other people's stories. I want to tell our own stories. I want to tell our own stories. And I just, I asked them to just kind of go on that journey of like contending for that, for our church, for like the miracles and for God to do the impossible. And let me just tell you, like we have our own story. Like we have other stories. Like we, we begin to see, it's like the dam is about to break. We're starting to see like the water break through and, and we have story after story in this church already. And, and I just, I just want to see God write more. I want to see God do that in your life. I want to see God do the impossible for you. Would you stand with us this morning? Will you bow your heads for a moment? I'm about to, we're about to get you out of here. I just want you to bow your heads for a moment. Every head bowed in this room, eyes closed for a moment. This is just a, a moment that, that I want you to have with you and God. Like, I don't know where you're at on your journey. I don't know, man, if Jesus is the most important thing in your life or not, and that's fine. I don't, I don't, I'm not here to, to judge that. I just, I just want you to take a moment and just have a moment with, with God before I dismiss and before you get out of here. And if you're here today and you would just say, Pastor Jordan, like I need God to replace a period with a comma in my life. Like I need that to happen. I need God to add some new chapters to what seems like an already finished story. Could I just see your hand in here today, every head bowed? Like you just need it. You need God. You need the hope. You need the wind back in your sails. You need God to do something now, right now. 
I see, I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand in the back. Anybody else? You need God to rewrite the story? Holy Spirit, I ask that you just would come right now and settle into this place. I pray that you would bring like supernatural hope right now. God, that you would come and you would do what only you can do. So Lord, I pray that what, that what seems impossible, that what seems like it's not gonna happen, Lord, I, I thank you that we serve the God of the impossible and that we serve the God of the comma. So Lord, I pray you'd come in right now. You start to replace period after period after period with comma after comma after comma. Lord, I pray that you'd start to add to the story, start to, to add like, like your own spin to the ending of the story of our lives in this room. I pray hope would rise in this place. We come before you, O oh God, and we surrender our lives to you in just desperation. Lord, for you to, to, to get the last word, for you to get the final say. Lord, I pray for those of us in this room who are, who are praying and contending for a child to come back to faith. Those of us in this room who are contending for a miracle or a breakthrough in our body. God, there's those of us in this room right now, we've received even diagnosis uh, from doctors in our body. And Lord, we, we come before you and ask for you to do what only you can do. There's those in this room right now, God, who I know are dealing with financial hardship and struggle. Come, oh God, and do what only you can do. Rend the heavens, oh God, and come down. Rend the heavens, oh God, and come down. In Jesus' name. Pray great faith would rise. Great faith would rise in this place. So whatever you're facing right now, whatever it is that you need God to step in and change, I want you just to pray that simple prayer I mentioned earlier. I want you just in your own words to yourself, just say, hey God. Go ahead, you can talk to him like that. Just say, hey God. Hey God. Is there anything here that you see that I don't see? Just ask him. Is there something here that you see that I don't see? I want to see what you see. I want to see what you see. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.